This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another Mike Missanelli Podcast. Podcast episode number 61 that you're listening to today. Tuesday, March 14th. Hope everybody's having a great day. We appreciate you joining us today. Um, of course, the Mike Missanelli Podcast is sponsored by the great people at Bet Rivers. Get that Bet Rivers app because you got some college basketball tournament games that i got a couple specials for you early in the week that you want to look at with the line being out of whack i've been very successful telling you about these line things also we have a contest going on right now that river's called mike missanelli's pick adelphia now here's what you do uh you you go to the website betrivers4free.com that's betrivers the number four free.com and you enter and uh, you're entering for a chance to win a $100 gift card if you get the most correct picks. Now, Mike Miscelli, Pickadelphia is going to involve uh, all the area teams that are playing right now, uh, including your Sixers, your Flyers, and uh, in the NIT, Villanova. But in the NCAA tournament, Penn State, Rutgers, and Drexel in the NIT. Uh, so uh, it'll, it'll involve all these Philadelphia teams that you can bet on and also – uh, individual sports, Philly area athletes that compete in individual sports. Prizes will start at $100, but they will increase as more people participate. So get involved. There, there, there's no app and there's no fee. It's a free contest. Just go to betriversforfree.com. All right, let's start today with the most newsy of the topics we're going to talk about. This is a current fluid situation. It is the NFL free agency that's going on right now. Today is the first day. Yesterday was considered the legal tampering day, which I found very interesting because people were tampering all the time. So they said, well, you know what? We'll make it a legal day to tamper, which makes a lot of sense, right? So so the Eagles lose three fairly significant players, uh, one being more significant than the other, and that's Javon Hargrave. Um, I, I, I had two targets that they had to sign Hargrave and – C.J. Garner-Johnson, um, Hartgrave got full $21 million a year from the San Francisco 49ers. And when I, I think about that, I go, okay, I, I, I get it why they couldn't resign him. Somebody's dangling that kind of coin. They don't have the cap space to give him $21 million. In fact, right now, the Eagles only have about 
million in cap space. Now they're going to get more because they're going to restructure some con uh, contracts and all that stuff. So they lose Hargrave, big loss. They lose Epps. Now, you might not think a lot about Epps, the safety, but he actually played the most snaps of any Eagle on defense last year, which I, I found hard to believe, but he did. So he's, you know, significant loss. And T.J. Edwards had a great year, linebacker. He goes back home, signs with the Chicago Bears for six mil a year. Um, so we're going to have to look at guys that then you don't have to sign to replace them. But let's first go to the offense. Uh, the offense, uh, Kelsey's coming back. So so that was one problem they eliminated. That means Cam Jurgens can play guard now, say Malo leaves. Uh, they, they lo- they're probably going to lose Miles Sanders. However, there's a very interesting running back name they could replace him with, Jamal Williams, Detroit Lions. I think that would be a great signing. So uh, just look uh, and see if they work that. And the most disappointing is Andre Dillard, not because he's a great player, because Andre Dillard was a first-round pick, and they get nothing for him. So they basically drafted the guy number one and allow him to go free agency with no return at all. Um, so um, back to the defense. Will they re-sign Fletcher Cox now to give him depth in the middle? Now, next year they're counting on Jordan Davis, Milt Williams. They need a little depth. Will they, will they go outside the Cox realm and bring another guy in there? Or is it possible that Fletcher Cox comes back? They have some sentimentality when it comes to him. He probably won't cost a lot of money. It'll be interesting to see what they do there. So so right now, we're looking at replacing those kind of guys. But the most important guy right now, for me, is C.J. Garner-Johnson and what they're going to do there. And if C.J. Garner-Johnson goes elsewhere, does that bring James Bradbury back into the fold as a possible signing? I, I don't know how that's, that's all going to work out. But, uh, you know, they're looking at a, a guy like uh, Zach Allen from the Cardinals who can play uh, outside rushing position and move inside. There's there's a Witherspoon out there as a cornerback. There was Jesse Bates, but he just got signed. So the only thing now is backup quarterback. So let's talk about this backup quarterback. Because I'm gonna bring my producer Darren in here. Uh, one of the guys that's on the list, who I think can make a lot of sense and it'd be really cheap, would would be uh, Marcus Mariota. And for some reason, you find uh, that re- reprehensible the thought of Marcus Mariota coming back as a backup who will play like two snaps the whole year. Now, now, what, what is your problem with Marcus Mariota? My, my first of all, my problem is he is so overhyped. He was overhyped coming out of Oregon. Um, he's an overhyped player who, who is soft, who, who half this city is in, still in love with because of how Chip Kelly touted him back when he was the head coach here. I don't like his game. I think he's soft. I think his arm is weak, and there's a better candidate for backup quarterback out there. Uh, unless it's Jacoby Brissett, there probably isn't. But here's the thing. It's Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> that's the guy I like. All right, so Jacoby Brissett, that's fine. But I, I don't know. Maybe Jacoby Brissett thinks he can start somewhere, and he'll go to a, a place where he can actually compete for a job. Gardner Minshew, in my opinion, is not going to get a chance to do that. I don't think there's any hype about Gardner Minshew. So it is possible that – No, he did himself a disservice this season when he just played terrible, Minshew. Yeah, so, I mean, they could actually bring him back as a backup. I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but – uh, your, your your analysis of Marcus Mariota is foolish, okay? Because you're you're and you're analyzing him as a starter who was overhyped. Okay, I get it. I'm not bringing him in as a starter. What do I have to worry about whether he was overhyped or not? He's a guy who, who can play the zone read. That's his style of play, which is what the Eagles' style of play is. And he's a backup freaking quarterback. 
What is he going to do? Taint your locker room because he was once hyped? I, I'm we're I'm in my kitchen right now. I'm looking at a wet dish towel that is a, that is just more stiff and stronger than his arm. Here it is. You know what you are? You're 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 talking right now like a sports talk caller, which I've I've had for thirty years with a rationale that doesn't even make any sense. Because he disappointed you, and, and he was overhyped by Chip Kelly and all this stuff, you're still holding a grudge against he him. He never disappointed me. I never liked him. I didn't like him in Oregon. I don't like his game. I think he's got a weak arm. Oh, I see. So you never liked him. But you're telling me that this doesn't make sense for a backup quarterback who will probably never play? No, because there's a better option out there. Go get Brissett. All right, if you can't get Brissett, that's not a better option than anybody else you could get. If you can't get Brissett, all the other options are are aren't nothing excites me. There's nobody else that I'm confident that can come in and win a couple games if Hurts goes down. Okay, I don't have confidence in any of those guys. Uh, all right, Jacoby Brissett would be an idiot to sign here, frankly, because he's never going to play ever. All right, and he's a guy who actually wants to play. That's not true. Look at Hurts' game; it, it it screams injury. Like, I hope he stays healthy. He's not going to compete for the job here. He's only going to get a job if the other guy gets injured. He can compete for a job elsewhere. This is where Harry Roseman comes in now as the executive who is riding a high. Um, I get the impression that they're not even worried about any of this. I, I don't get any kind of buzz that they don't think that they can carry on just as well, even though they're losing these kind of free agents. They have a, like a quiet confidence of a plan that they know, like they're not getting get caught with their pants down here. They have an idea of these guys that these guys are going to leave, and they also, which means they also have an idea of guys that they can get to replace them. So I'm totally comfortable right now with Howie. He can do no wrong right now, and until he does wrong, uh, I'll hold back my criticism. Once he does do something wrong, though, and he loses C.J. Gardner Johnson, uh, I'm going to be blasting him in next week's podcast. All right. Anyway, let's move on. Um, also current, and I watched the game last night, the World Baseball Classic. Uh, I've been fascinated by it. And in a minute, we're going to talk about uh, the spring training with the Phillies, which we uh, had uh, the fortune of attending this weekend. And we'll get into that in a second. But first, the World Baseball Classic, because the Phillies are obviously missing a couple of key players that are playing for Team USA. Team USA got shocked in their first game by Mexico. They up 11 runs. And we talked about how their lineup is stacked, but their pitching staff is not that great. I mean, their lineup from top to bottom is unbelievable. So they're going to have to outscore teams. Well, Mexico cuffed them for 11 runs. They couldn't outscore them that day. But they come back last night against Canada. And Canada sends out, they're coached by Ernie Witt, by the way, an old-time uh, major leaguer, a Canadian. Uh, and he trots out as his starting pitcher against Team USA's lineup, a 19-year-old low single-A pitcher named Mitch uh, Bratt. Uh, <laughs> and I'm watching the kid, and he's literally, I, I'm well, I couldn't see it, but I'm I'm suspecting that he was wearing tight sliding pads. Otherwise, I think you would have seen a urine stain in this in this kid's pants. And he's a left-hander. Listen, he's 19 years old. He's in low A. So I'm sure that the stuff he's throwing down there, he's had one year of pro experience. Canadian kid who decided to come down and go, and go to this uh, – this school, this baseball camp school in Georgia, and uh, he got drafted. And, and then, so he, he's got very little experience. And, and he's <laughs> out of the shoot. 
He's facing facing Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Arenado, Goldschmidt. He's got, and they're just laying back, and they smoke the kid. The poor kid got raked early on, to, and then they bring the relief pitcher in, who was worse than the starter. And before you can look up, it's nine nothing Team USA. And I felt sorry for the kid. He, he was distraught. Uh, they made two visits to the mound and hoping to calm him down. Freddie Freeman's there at first base, probably talking to the guys coming down like was like like Bugs Bunny the way they were they were coming around first base. Uh, you know, and Freeman's probably like under his back going, I, mean, you know, I can't believe we threw this kid out here. Look at him; he's scared to death. And uh, and they just smoked him. But they needed the win, and they needed the win because it puts them in a spot now because Great Britain upset. Uh, Colombia. So Colombia. So w- what that means is the team USA only has to win a game against Colombia to advance. Uh, otherwise, it would have been a little hairy if Colombia beaten Great Britain. It was the upset heard around the, the UK, uh, right? Uh, Great Britain, who they don't have a good team at all, and they have even worse jerseys. It's the worst jersey I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean they're they're generic jerseys, and uh, you know they they get uh, they they win a game last night and. Uh, yeah, listen, good for them. They got nobody, basically, on that team, uh, and they win the game. But, uh, you know, as I was watching that Mitchell Brandt last night, uh, I'm thinking of uh, of Tommy DeVito in his mother's kitchen, the Goodfellas. Yeah, it, that's a sin, Ma. It was a sin that they threw that kid out there last night. Really, I felt, I, my heart was wrenching for that poor kid. All right, anyway. I felt bad for him, too. You could see it in his face. He was dying. Yes. So so last night, they made they made a lineup change uh, a, a little bit. They threw in um, Tim Anderson to play second base. He had never played second base. He he had a – Jeff McNeil had been playing there. Uh, I, I guess Jeff McNeil is probably pissed about it. But uh, Anderson had a couple knocks. And uh, Trout hit two home runs last night. <laughs> he hits low fastballs like nobody's business. So he just flicks it out there. Uh, so that I'm I'm having fun, which leads me in. I, I'm I'm hyped for baseball right now. I'm really into baseball. So over the weekend, we told you last week, Darren and I went down to spring training uh, to to observe and to talk to to, to some folks down there. Um, here's my impressions of spring training, just just as a, an insider look. I spent a lot of time in the clubhouse down there, and uh, uh, first of all, the spring tra- I've been to a lot of spring trainings, and today's spring training is more ultra organized than any like back in the day. They've got everything down to the letter on what guys are supposed to do. So it, everything is so structured. You got guys taking BP, but then there's uh, uh, guys in the cage working with the hitting coach. And then some guys are over here and then their infielders are out there on the little field, taking infield and it's all ultra organized. And those coaches, listen, I, I think that there's an uh, overabundance of coaches in major league baseball. But I can see where they, they need a lot of coaches because they work their ass off. I mean, these guys are working like 14-hour days. It's a thankless job. They're not getting paid a lot of money. Like a guy like Bobby Dickerson, who is the, the uh, infield instructor. And uh, the way he was conducting uh, infield practice, which w- was really interesting to me. So they've got, they've got Stott out there. They've got Sosa out there. Uh, they've got uh, Scott Kingery out there. They've got a shortstop that uh, I didn't know about, but he looked pretty spry. I never really got his name. So they've got like six guys out there. And Bobby Dickerson, interesting, instead of just thro- throwing a ball to himself hitting fungos, he's got Paco Figueroa flipping the ball at him at home plate, like soft toss, and then he's raking hard ground balls, and, and the fielders don't know where they're going, which is a great way 
to have infield because if you're expecting a ground ball, it's going to be easier for you. If you don't know where it's coming off the bat, you got to react a little better. So I thought that was uh, uh, really interesting. But I love being around the batting cage and see what kind of pop players have. And, and that's where Charlie Manuel comes in. You see Charlie Manuel lurking behind a batting cage all the time, looking at guys, how they swing, what kind of contact they're making. And, and I get the same feeling. I, I love to see, like, some guys, the ball comes off uh, with a little more pop than others. And that's just generating bat speed from a small, small space. And, and one of the guys we were looking at is a kid from Monsignor Bonner. His name was Jim Haney. I'm going, who's this guy? He's got some pop. Derek Hall walks by. I go, who's that dude? He goes, oh, that's um, uh, he had to think for me. He goes, that's uh, Haney. So we look him up, and he's from he's from Monsignor Bonner, right, Darren Bonner, Jim Haley. Yeah, we just boom, boom, boom. We kept looking. A lot of this guys just crushing the ball, and the fact that he was a local kid and we didn't know who the hell he was made it even better. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And he had a great game, by the way. That was Saturday morning. He had a great game against the Yankees over in Tampa. Get a couple hits and I think a double. Yeah, well, good game. for the kid. I don't know where he's going to end up. Yeah. Not going to be on the on the big league roster, uh, but he's uh, you know, hey, he's playing for his hometown team, which is going to lead me to another story a little uh, in a little bit. But but the clubhouse hierarchy is also classic to me. And I, I, again, I've been to the, a lot of these spring training clubhouses, and there is definitely a a, a cast society in Major League Baseball. Like you got the regular players are down at one end, and then you got you know, all the, 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 the also ran or the minor league guys, guys that don't have a chance to make the team are way down the other end. Now, none of those guys sit with the major league players. There's, there's like no intermingling. It's like you got to earn your space at the table. Like, how dare you if you're at the west end of the clubhouse and you come down to where all the eating tables are, that, which is closer to where the regular players are, better not be like, if Bryce Harper sits down and he's having a meal, you're not sitting next to him. All right, you're sitting with your own little crew, and it's it's amazing the hierarchy that develops in, in a clubhouse, and even in a major league team. When you like, I remember '93 Phillies, and those guys were down one end, and guys like West Chamberlain, and then the other guy, they were down way down the end. It was, and they were like Ruben Amaro. I remember was way down there. He passed Darren Dalton once in the clubhouse in '93. They didn't even look at each other. It's like you like you can, you don't earn your stripes, so I'm not saying hello to you. Well, I'm Darren Dalton. You're just Ruben Amaro. Uh, and that goes on spring training tenfold because there's a lot of players in the clubhouse that before they get shifted to the minor league camps, they're still in the same clubhouse. Um, the the uh, There's a strange guy. I'm, one of the strangest things that I, I saw in the clubhouse, I observed, was the demeanor of Nick Castellanos. Now, I listen, I, I don't know. I, I probably don't have a right to make any conclusions here, but that dude looks miserable right now. And he he sits by himself. He doesn't major leaguers don't even go around him. Like he's he's in front of his locker. He's alone. He's on his phone. He's eating by himself. On and and he looks just miserable. Uh, and he's not. He hasn't really responded so far in spring training. Everybody thinks he's going to have a bounce back year. Uh, and maybe he's just in the soup right now mentally. But uh, I you may you saw the same thing, Darren. Right? We picked up on it. We talked about it. Yeah, Mike. I picked up on it right away. He ate by himself. He sat by himself. Hey, he must have spent forty minutes on the phone arguing with somebody in his locker. No one went near him. And this is a team where the nucleus, the core guys, are such a unit. They're so tight. They're best friends. They're they just everything. And he's just off by himself. We were talking. 
Uh, and we were just like, this guy's he's gone by the trade deadline. I really think they might move him if somebody will eat the salary. Well, you know, unless he get, you know, he gets off to a great star because, you know, they need him to play right field. But, but, but anyway, uh, one of the most, uh, charming stories, uh, of our time down there, uh, came because, uh, Darren's friend, um, Steve Dolores accompanied us down there. Now he is a baseball coach at Cherokee high school. And uh, unbeknownst to me, I mean, you knew it, Darren, but unbeknownst to me that there's a guy that pitched at Cherokee High School who's on the Phillies roster. He's going to probably be in double A this year. Uh, and his, his He was the double A pitcher of the year two years ago, last year, and he pulled him up. Okay, so his, his name is Brian Marconi. And uh, so, so here's the <laughs> – it was really interesting to see Steve, see one of his own guys walking through the clubhouse, right? And he's down, he goes, boy, I hope he gets a chance to pitch. Now – a guy like Brian Marconi is not a guy who's going to be regularly scheduled to pitch in a spring training game. He's on the list of in case the guys we have slated get in trouble, throw too many pitches. He's like the emergency guy that they would bring in to get an hour or two. So they took him to Tampa when they played the Yankees on on Saturday. He he did not pitch in that game. So they were ho- so your buddy was hoping he would pitch in Sunday's game. Well, sure enough, somebody gets in trouble, and all of a sudden they got the lefty warm and in the bullpen, and it's Brian Marconi. And the kid comes into the game, much to the delight of your buddy, who's the head coach, who coached him in high school, and he came in and he got the third out in the seventh inning. And that was really cool. It, really, it was a nice cherry on top of the weekend for us because we were you know, all kind of rooting for the kid, him being local. Went to the same high school as myself and Steve. Uh, Steve coached him. We talked to him in the clubhouse a couple of times. He's a real good kid. Got the call up, by the way. Flew out after getting that out later that afternoon on Sunday to meet up with Team Italy. He's going out to Japan to play for in the WBC. Yes. So so to give you a little frame of reference, Team Italy had been talking to him all weekend uh, about you know maybe they needed another pitcher. So he had to be kind of on alert. So it didn't happen Saturday. Sunday morning, the game that we saw where he actually pitched, he was on the phone with Team Italy executives all weekend. And finally, he gets the call before he goes into that game. So right after the game, he had to fly. I don't know where Team Italy's playing. But it's in, they're playing in Europe, aren't they? Where are they playing? I, I think he's poised to meet them out in Japan, actually, for the second round. Japan. They're playing in Japan. So he had to catch a flight after that game and get, immediately get to Japan. So if you ever see, if you see Team Italy in its World Baseball Classic, you might see Brian Marconi from Cherokee High School. So that was a uh, yeah, really cool. A down and drive pitcher, Mike. Right? He got re- he gets real low on that release. Yeah, I, I like his delivery. Now he's not an overpowering fastball guy. He's like a ninety-two guy, uh, but he's got a really interesting delivery, and uh, he's left-handed. So he, you know, uh, God bless the kid. Uh, I hope it works out uh, for the kid. Now, uh, as, as I mentioned before, we watched a lot of infield practice with Bobby Dickerson going through the rounds with those guys, uh, and. Uh, 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 to me, it was a fascinating exercise. I, I love to see these, these guys feel ground balls, turn double plays, and you know, the smoothness that they do it with. And, and one of the guys, of course, was in, he didn't play Sunday. He played Saturday. Bryson Stott, who we expected now is moving to second base. and supposed to have a really big year, and he's more comfortable. And uh, he's got a little by-play with Dickerson. Dickerson's ragging him. He's ragging Dickerson back, and nobody else is speaking. So Stott has earned his place where he can actually jockey back with Bobby Dickerson and fire back insults to the guy hitting them ground ball. So it's, it was a fun exercise. And so after uh, the uh, workout, we got a, a chance to sit down 
with uh, with Bryson Stott. And, uh, you know, it was outside and some wind was blowing. So hopefully uh, the audio was good enough for you guys to enjoy my one-on-one with Bryson Stott. And here we go. What was the major transition uh, for us hitting Major League Pitching that you made last year? Just kind of toning everything down. Um, and in the minor leagues and in college, I would go up there sometimes and say he's going to throw me whatever and I'm going to hit it to right center. Um, but I mean, once you get to the the big leagues and they see your, the holes in your swing and, and what you don't like, they'll throw at every pitch. So that was that was the big thing. Um, just worked on that and um, flattened my swing out and um, just kind of focused on, on the little things rather than trying to hit that high pitch out for a homer. You could get on top of them and, and hit doubles and hit singles. So, so what's the adjustment Kevin Long made to, for you to, to get to that, that pitch? Um, I mean, my swing has always kind of been direct. Um, that was a big thing that we were talking about is I don't need to change it too much. It was already pretty direct. It was just the way my barrel would go on a high pitch. So um, unless I caught it perfect and it was a home run. So let's talk about Bryce a little bit because uh, first of all, tell me how your relationship, how far it goes back and, and how it started. Yeah, his older sister cheered for, for my mom when she was in high school. So uh, that's, how, that's how we know them. I mean, I don't look at him as Bryce Harper, the superstar. Yeah. Um, I look at him as a best friend and, and someone who I've known for forever. Tell me about where, where you think this season, you know, Bryce joins in, in July. So what's what's the mindset until until he gets back in and you're a full, complete team? Yeah, I mean, we had to go without him last year for a little bit. And, um, man, I think it just kind of elevates everyone's game in a, in a way they know nobody was trying to do too much. Um, I mean, JT really took off once Bryce went down and um, you know what you're going to get from Reese and, and Chorber and, and Castellanos and Bohm and um, I mean we just have so many hitters that it's it's a fun lineup to be a part of um, obviously it's a better lineup if, if Bryce is in there but just doing our jobs and um, I mean we have a lot of good players on the team as well. So. Yeah, what's that like playing in a lineup like that? I mean you, you know, I'm sure you play with really good players but there were some teams that you played with you knew guys were outs and <laughs> so but this this team is like from top to bottom does that relax you as a player um I mean yeah you still got to do your job um I mean I think Bobby Dickerson always says it's the superstars will get the pitch right down the middle and then they finally see someone that they think they could get out and they look like Cy Young um but I mean it's just the quality of at bats that everyone kind of takes throughout the game it wears down the starter and then you get into the bullpen and then um you have two games after that, and they already used five pitchers. So um, it's just pretty incredible to see some of Reese's 12, 13 pitch at bats. And um, I mean, Bohm, if it's a strike, he's probably going to hit it somewhere and hit it hard. So it's just, I mean, it's top to bottom. It's it's fun to be a part of. How do you like to pitch clock and the, 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 the bigger bases and the rules throwing over make you a 30 base, 30 stolen base guy? Uh, you don't really even notice the bases, honestly. Um, the only time I notice it's double play turns, you kind of have a lot more base. I mean, you're moving. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the pickoff rule is going to elevate the stolen bases for, for sure, and the pitch clock gets. So what's your, what's your number? Stolen bases? I don't know. I'm not putting a number on it. I think Parker wants me to get 30, but. Doable? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to say 50. <laughs> Just throw a wild number out there. <laughs> we'll hold you to 50. Uh, Bryson, good luck, man. Thank you for stopping. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it. All right, great talking to Bryson. He's a good kid. Good kid, that kid.
You know, real calm, mild-mannered. Nothing phases the kid. and He's just out there playing some ball. Uh, and I love the the Bryce Harper stories with the eye black and, and all that stuff. So thanks uh, for Bryson, uh, the Bryson stop for sitting down with us. Uh, all right, of course, the big story this week, the NCAA tournament. couple games tonight, the playing games, which I'm really not that interested in. Uh, you know, hopefully somebody survives and they get to the next round. But I, I don't start watching. The NIT also starts tonight, right? So I, I don't really get serious until Thursday with the NCAA tournament. But, you know, I'm looking at some possible upsets and things like that. Um, I've, I went through the – what I always do is I go through the bracket and uh, try to project who's going to win. And now I come up with my final four. Then I change accordingly. So I'm going to give you the first round that I went through. And, by the way, for the people at home, you can't see. But I'm, I'm – what am I wearing today, Darren? You want to tell the people what my hat is today? Oh, you got that uh, Penn State basketball hat on with a nice little run. Penn State basketball I'm winning. Now, it's funny because uh, – I've, I've been I've been tweeting out uh, Penn State but Penn State hoops live it and, and I, so some people go oh well, well Mikey now you're on the bandwagon you didn't you didn't say anything all year now let me let me uh, ask that guy who tweeted me that why in hell would I have said something all year about Penn State basketball what were they doing that I had to like like drop everything I was doing and laud Penn State basketball I'm lauding them now because they made a heroic run to get in the NCAA tournament first time in many years all right. So, like, I'm on the bandwagon now? How would you not be on the bandwagon? And why would you be on the bandwagon during the regular season, you little idiot? All right. So that's my editorial comment for that. So let's go down. First of all, Penn State plays Texas A&M. Now, they're not the favorite in the game. Uh, A&M is a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite in that game. Uh, listen, the way Penn State's playing, they can win that game easily. Uh, I don't think they'll win the second game, but I think they can win uh, a game in the tournament. So the final four, when I projected everything, and I projected some upsets in there, I've got two teams in the final four that you might not think would get to the final four. I've got Marquette going to the final four. And we'll look at their journey in a second. Uh, it looks like the team that they would have to beat to get there would be the highest ranked team would be Tennessee because I believe Tennessee is going to upset Purdue. So Marquette, I think, is a surprise team to get to the Final Four. On the other side of the bracket, I've got Miami as a surprise to get to the Final Four. And to get there, of course, they would have to beat the number one seed up in that region, which is Houston. But I think Miami is a very underappreciated team that has a chance to get there. So my Final Four... It would be Bama, Marquette, they would play, and then Miami, UCLA. I'm probably wrong, but it's my early look uh, at these games. If you're looking at some lines, you know, there's some interesting lines out here, and I, I, just, I just tweeted out uh, some lines that uh, I find very interesting as we get to Thursday and Friday. First of all, Duke is the darling of the tournament. Like Everybody's on Duke's bandwagon right now. Um, so, uh, I looked at the line in their first game and Duke is only a six point favorite in the, in the game, which to me, uh, is a very low line for a team. That's like everybody's darling. Now the odds makers only make him a six point favorite against, um, let's see who, who's Duke playing. Um, uh, problem with these brackets is that the type so small. Oh, oh, here it is. Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, a 12 seed against Big Bad Duke, is only a six-point underdog. If you watch that game, that's a potential upset. Also, look at Indiana. 
Indiana is only a four-point favorite in their game. And they're, first, of course, from the Big Bad Big Ten. Uh, Indiana against Kent State. A four versus a 13. Kent State is only a four-point underdog. I am telling you right now that is the upset of the first round. Kent State outright to beat Indiana. All right? So you got to look oh, at these wow. lines because – when the when the lines are fishy, they give you an indication uh, of who can pull off that upset there. So just look at those two games. And again, it's an early look at it. Um, so uh, you know some teams that I kind of like. Uh, I like that Charleston team as a uh, a twelve seed against San Diego State. I like San Diego State, but Charleston as a twelve seed could be a very live uh, upset play there. Furman as a thirteen seed against Virginia. Virginia doesn't score. So so any team that scores can be in any game with Virginia. Uh, I like Providence against Kentucky. They're only a four-point underdog in that game. And uh, watch out for Montana State, Darren, against Kansas State. Yeah, let's look at these games because uh, – and here's the other one. Boise State against Northwestern. Boise State is only a two-point underdog against Big Bad Northwestern from the Big Ten, all right? So there it is. It's March Madness time. I love the NCAA tournament. And there uh, I've got a couple of surprises. All right, it is now time for Mike Unleashed. Oh, my God, what could Mike Unleashed be today? Well, I saw a news item today that uh, the former Yankee first baseman, Joe Pepitone, now, of course, if you don't know that he actually played for the Yankees and he played for them in the early 60s and actually was an all-star for a couple of years, he's, a, he's an Italian guy from Brooklyn who was worshipped by that fan base playing for the Yankees, right? He had this, uh, this long black hair. I, it was always suspected that he was wearing a wig, but he was a colorful left-handed swinging first baseman, and uh, he passed away. In fact, uh, Larry David uh, had this Joe Pepitone. Larry David, who, of course, uh, the co-creator of Seinfeld and also Kirby Enthusiasm, uh, has this Joe Pepitone affection. And he and put him in both the Seinfeld, a reference in Seinfeld. Joe and Pepitone he, Day. <laughs> yeah, and, and, he, and he referenced them a couple times in Kirby Enthusiasm. And I have a Joe Pepitone story. Um, first of all, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to mock the, the people who just passed away. I don't want to be insensitive to it. Uh, but uh, I had an experience with Joe Pepitone, and uh, I'll tell the story, which leads to another story from the same camp. Uh, when I was working in radio, uh, a guy uh, who was running a fantasy camp made up of ex-Phillies and Yankees was doing the camp in Cape May, New Jersey, and he bid on one of our radiothons for me to participate in it. And I'm glad to do anything for charity, but I was still playing in some age group leagues back then. And he said, well, come down to the camp and participate in the camp with the ex-Phillies and, and ex-Yankees. So I go, yeah, why not? He says, uh, all right, well, uh, um, come Friday night. Now, Friday night is a story I will tell after the Joe Pepitone story. But Saturday, as we're playing in the camp, a two-day camp, the rudest guy maybe I've ever met was Joe Pepitone. I mean, he was a pain in my rear end. He knew I was a media guy. He hated media people. And he was giving me the business all camp. And I'm going back and forth with him. He's one of these guys that was trying to hit home runs off little 5'8 uh, uh, fantasy camp participants and then pimping around the bases and stuff like that. So we were going back and forth the whole camp. So uh, 
And the other guy uh, who was a pain in the butt was a guy named Rick Cerrone, who was a Yankee catcher for a lot of years. Both those guys couldn't have been ruder. Uh, and to the point where, where Cerrone was giving me something, I go, you know what, Cerrone, you got a big mouth for a mediocre player. So I, I said that to him, right? So, so Pepper, those guys hated me. So at the end of the camp, after we had gone through two days of workouts, Pepitone comes up to me. He says, he say, hey, Mike, would you like me to sign a ball for you? Now, I got to be honest with you. I didn't want a ball from Joe Pepitone. I couldn't have cared less if he signed a ball to me. But I'm thinking, okay, the guy wants to make an effort. Now he wants to be nice to me. It's the end of camp. Uh, all's fair, the whole bit. So I don't want his feelings. And I go, yeah, sure, Joe, you can sign it for me. So he gets a ball and he signs it. Now, somebody tweeted it out, the ball. I, I don't know when I uh, took a picture of this ball. I may have shown it on the radio, on television. And somebody had a had a screenshot of it. And somebody tweeted it today on my account. I'm going to retweet it. But I have the ball right here. Now, Darren, I don't know if you can read that. What, it, what does that say? Mike. Uh, what does that say? My best fucking wish. What's that? Asshole. <laughs> My best fucking wishes, asshole. Signed Joe Pepitone, number 69. <laughs> right? And he goes, here you go. And he, and he says, here, try to sell that now. <laughs> I'm going, what, what is wrong with this guy? Well, anyway, <laughs> so, so anyway, Joe Pepitone passed away. You know, listen. Sorry to hear about it, but uh, that was my experience with Joe Pepitone. Uh, now, I'll tell another story because Friday night, the guy who's running the camp comes in and uh, calls me. and He said, hey, listen, why don't you show up Friday night? All the guys are going to be there. We're going to meet at this bar in Cape May. Get to know some of the guys. I go, all right. So after my show, I you know, I pack about my stuff. I, I roll down to Cape May. I get there about 10 o'clock at night, and I go in the bar. I, I meet the guy, the director of the camp. And I see a lot of uh, ex-players over there. So they've been drinking now for several hours, these players. So I get there. I'm hanging at the bar with the people running the camp. And, and I, I, out of the corner of my eye, I see a guy walking over. And I, and I, I recognize him as pitcher Mike Torres. Now, if you know who Mike Torres is, he pitched for both the Yankees and the Red Sox. But his notorious moment in baseball was... In 1978, he was pitching for the Red Sox. The Red Sox were playing the Yankees in a one-game playoff to decide the pennant. That's how they did it back then. One game, it was at Fenway Park. Torres is the pitcher for the Red Sox, and he gives up the one of the most famous home runs ever, the Bucky Dent, who never hit home runs ever in his life, hits one over to Green Monster, and that was the difference, and the Yankees win the game. In fact, in Boston, they call him now Bucky fucking Dent because of that home run. David Duchovny wrote a book about it, about that story. It's not being uh, a movie's going to be made out of it. And it's called Bucky fucking. Dent. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so in, in any event, I see Torres coming over to me. Now I can tell I'm a veteran in bars. I can tell when people are inebriated and this dude's inebriated and he comes over to me and he horns his way into the conversation with the camp uh, guys and myself. And he looks at me, and he looks me up and down, and he goes, who are you? And I go, I'm, uh, I'm nobody. I'm just the media guy. I'm playing in the camp tomorrow. He goes, oh, you're one of those media assholes, huh? And I go, okay, I got some trouble now. Now I'm starting to get my back up a little bit. I got, I got to be nice here to this guy. Uh, I go, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a media guy. He goes, you ever play ball? And I said, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I did. I played Division One college baseball. He goes, college baseball ain't shit. He says to me, right? He says, he says, he said, let me ask you a question. 
You think you can hit a 90 mile an hour fastball? And by that time, I'm in my late 30s or whatever, and I go, I think about it, and I go, yeah, probably, probably I uh, wouldn't be that successful against a 90 mile an hour fastball right now at this stage of my life. He goes, all right, you think you can hit an 85 mile an hour fastball? So I think about it, and I look at him, and I go, yeah, yeah, I can hit an 85 mile an hour fastball. He goes, well, I'll tell you what, tomorrow. I'm going to throw you a fucking 85 mile an hour fastball and I'm going to bend your ass in half with a slider. What do you think about that? So now, by now, I've had it. So I reach for the, the toughest insult in the recesses of my brain. I pick out the toughest insult I can come up with. So I go, I look at him, I look down at the floor, I look at his face. I go, I'll tell you what, Mike, why don't you throw that piece of shit you threw to Bucky Dent in 1978? <laughs> And the bar, the bar goes stone silent, like boom. You can hear a pin drop. Yeah. It was like it's like a glass mirror drop, and everyone oh, and, and Torres was stunned. Like he looked at me, and he and he he just kind of looked at me, and and he walked away. Oh <laughs> he he just walked away. So the next the next day at the camp, he didn't even pitch. He played left field. And he had no, I went up to him, he had no recollection of the conversation. So that, that was my story. That was Pepitone tied to Mike Torres. Uh, and that was my story. And that is Mike Unleashed for That's today. a rough weekend you had, man. <laughs> but I smoke a double in the game. Guess who was on my team? Dick Allen was on my team, right? I smoke a double in a left center field gap. And I score on uh, another hit or whatever it was. I score. And I sit, I sit in the dugout. Dick Allen, Dick Allen gives me a pat on the thigh and goes, "Yo, man, you ever play ball?" I go, uh, "Yeah." He goes, "You got a good swing." Dick Allen, how about that? That's not bad. I like That's that. Not bad. All right, it's time now for three questions for Mikey Miss. What do you got today, Darren? All right, three questions for Mikey Miss. Mike, we were down uh, at spring training this weekend. Had a great time. It was my first Philly spring training. Uh, and my first time at Baycare Park. And I got to tell you, I really loved that place. One, one um, criticism, I would have designed it with the same dimensions as Citizens Bank Park just for these players to get used to that. They're spending a couple months down there. But the park itself is gorgeous. So I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite baseball stadium? Uh, it's, uh, it's a tie. It's Fenway and Wrigley. It's good. They, listen, both those, they have such an old school feel. That I remember in Wrigley, um, I was sitting in, in the stands. I could literally smell the grass. Like you, you, it had a, a, like the grass smell just permeated through the whole uh, uh, stands. And, and so, like, those two uh, obviously are uh, the classics. You know, when, when um, Camden Yards first opened up, that was a charming place to go down. Uh, but for me, it, it was Fenway. And then when I went to Wrigley, I said, oh, this might be. This might be a tie. It's like, uh, for me, it's like a tie, the best cheesesteak in town between John's roast pork and uh, Angelo's in, in, uh, on 7th Street in South Philly. So I'll go uh, tie with those two parks. Can't go wrong with either one of those. That's question number one. Question number two, Mike, we had a great weekend. Everything kind of went on without a hitch. Um, but to every in, there's a little yang. So on the way home, our flight. We had an 8 o'clock flight, direct flight home, gets delayed Four hours. I, you and I didn't get to walk through the door, you know, after three o'clock in the morning. What is more important when you travel? A good hotel or a good airline? Uh, well, to me, th there's nothing worse 
than airline hassles. So uh, I'll tell you right now, I, I I could sleep in a manger if I didn't have a uh, uh, you know, a freaking problem getting home uh, with delays and, and the fret that the, the thing was going to be canceled. And we were trying to figure out that we have to now drive to Orlando to get the first flight out because the next the next flight wasn't until eight o'clock the next night. So if our flight was canceled last night, we had to either spend the night at the airport or try to try to get a uh, uh, a hotel room where you have to check out at 11 o'clock in the morning anyway, and then waste seven hours somewhere else to get on the next flight. Or you put, you buy a one-way, one-way fare to get home on another airline. But my, my problem was our airline came in spirit, flew out of Atlantic city. So even if I took another airline to Philadelphia airport, I had to find a way to Atlantic city to get by those kind of hassles just make you nuts. So yeah, uh, you put a bed of hay down and I'll sleep in it. If you can tell me, that my flight's going to go bing, bang, boom, uh, you know, no muss, no fuss. I totally agree with you, especially because we were never in the hotel. We're barely in the hotel, except when we were at the pool. We were either at a bar or at the stadium the whole weekend. Uh, okay, that's, que- exactly. that's question number two. Question number three, of this weekend down at spring, uh, in, in, in spring training in Clearwater, what player, coach, unit, what stood out to you the most about this 2023 Phillies club? Um it, it, it's hard to tell because a lot of guys weren't there. So Trey Turner wasn't there. Schwerber wasn't there. Uh, you know, Stubbs wasn't there. Uh, who, who else wasn't there? Uh, those guys are given, though. We, we already were excited about Yeah, but it was hard to tell because you really couldn't get a full view of what, what they were. But I thought uh, Gregory Soto, when he came into the game, I'm like, I'm, I'm watching it. He had just arrived because he had visa problems. But his stuff was filthy when he came into that game and I'm going, Oh my God, they got two left-handers that throw that kind of smoke uh, against lefties late in the game. I mean, their bullpen, I thought it, w- it is really going to be uh, pretty good this year. I mean, even Kimball, Kimball gets only gets, I was disappointed. He only gets it up like 94, but still like he could be a seventh uh, uh, inning, eight inning asset. If he uh, accepts that kind of a role, but you know, late in the game, they got some bulls. And uh, I've been saying it for years. When I analyze the Phillies year after year, I go, why does everybody have hard throwers come out of the pen and the Phillies never do? And they get guys like Archie Bradley and freaking guys <laughs> like that, right? Uh, uh, so uh, finally, Dombrowski has the same philosophy as I have. You could bring bulls out of there. You bring guys throwing that hard, 99 and, and sliders and power stuff, which is going to be, you know, it's hard to catch up with power stuff. So that to me was the most impressive thing that I saw. Completely agree. Really excited about their pen. Soto, big dude. We saw him in the locker room, man. We were like, wow, this guy's huge. Yep, so there you go. There's three questions from Mikey. Yes. All right, uh, which only leads now to one last thing on the show today, uh, parting shot. Now, I've got I've got three different planks of a parting shot today. So let's start with the first one here. Um, there was a, a, a ESPN radio host, uh, who uh, ESPN Syracuse. Uh, his name is Brent Axe, and he got the axe. Uh, he got fired by the radio station's uh, executive uh, manager or general manager or the president for being too critical of the, the Syracuse men's basketball program. And I'm going, look at this. Uh, so the guy who owns the station uh, is apparently a hardcore Syracuse grad. And he says, I had a problem with the content of the show. I'm an SU fan. I'm sorry, but I bleed orange, and I'm not going to apologize for that. And I think a fair reading of the orange is appropriate. 
Uh, I understand that we have a business relationship with Syracuse, but that we were, I thought it was turning a lot of people off that we were too negative. Now, I look even further in this story. Jim Beheim and the guy are personal friends. In fact, Beheim owns 21% of the, of the radio station. Now, Beheim is, is one of the original guys who tries to punish media people. He has snapped at media people for asking questions that are legitimate, but would come off as fairly negative to the, the head coach of the Syracuse basketball program. I think this is a freaking disgrace that they fired this guy for telling it like it is. And you know, I'm a tell it like it is guy. I get it. We've had a lot of business relationships and radio stations I've worked for with teams. They call and complain, but but nobody has ever said to me that you have to uh, calm your criticism because we have a business relationship. And and, and, I, and I laud the teams for backing off where they didn't want to censor anybody. They just complained about it. But the fact that this guy got – and I don't know who this guy is. I don't even know if he's any good as a radio host. But to get fired for trying to tell the truth, Syracuse basketball has been horrid over the last several years. So what are you going to do? Are you going to wave an orange pom-pom? I think it's ridiculous. All right. Let's move on to something else I saw on social media. Uh, this is why I loathe umpires. As a player, I always hated umpires. Uh, and uh, as an uh, analyst, I hate umpires. Um, there was an umpire who went viral. Uh, I forget what the game was. I think it was a college game. Uh, and uh, there, there was a guy, guy got a, a bad second strike call. So the, the, the batter made a fuss about it. He got out and he was jumping around. And you're not supposed to do that. But the third pitch was three feet outside, a breaking pitch that went three feet outside. And the umpire, out of spite, because the guy had given him crap on strike two, struck strikes him out looking and calls a strike three on a pitch that was at least three feet outside the strike zone. Now, I'll tell you right now, that guy should never be allowed to umpire another game ever. Uh, he should be able to go back to Pee Wee League's Little League if he needs an umpiring job. No college should ever have that guy as an umpire. It's going to make it that personal that the batter gave him a bunch of crap on strike two, and for spite, he struck him out on a bad strike three. I just find that reprehensible and disgraceful. And if you haven't seen it, it's viral. So you can go online and, and Google it, and, and, and the, the video will pop up for it. All right, now finally, my final uh, parting shot involves uh, Rachel Bilson. Now, she's a very attractive actress. She's like, you know, like 41 these days. And, uh, but she was, uh, so I got made her bones on a show called the OC, which I, uh, I used to like, I liked the OC. She was, she was young back then uh, on a podcast. I think it was with Whitney Cummings, the, uh, comedian, uh, she admitted now, if you listen, if your kids are listening to this podcast, you, you probably want to like turn it off right now. Uh, it, you know, it's not me trying to be dirty. It's Rachel Bilson made made the comment, and I'm gonna make a point about. Yeah, it. this is definitely an X-rated segment right here. But yeah, this is kind of X-rated, but re really not because it's biological. R-rated. Yeah, at least. It's, it's at least R-rated. <laughs> so Rachel Bilson said that she never had a conventional orgasm with conventional regular uh, male woman sex until she was 38 years old. So uh, a lot of people uh, did a little homework to find out who she was involved with in a relationship when she was 38. And it happens to be Bill Hader, the guy who's in Barry, who was from Saturday Night Live. You've seen him in a lot of movies. So apparently Bill rang the bell. 
So I'm watching that uh, at all the all the social media reaction, and a woman had tweeted out me this morning after finding out that Bill Hader was Rachel Bilson's boyfriend at age 38, and she's getting frantically on the phone trying to find Bill Hader's phone number. <laughs> Which I find, find hysterical. So there you go <laughs> for Bill Hader. <laughs> you know, nice job, my man. I I know what to say. I, you know, found the magic formula. So good for him. All right. I wonder if he was doing like Vincent Price's voice at the time. <laughs> oh, you know, he's a, Bill. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> anyway. That's that's it for oh, a party shop for today. Uh, let's close it down with this. Of course, thanking the people, the great people at Bet Rivers who bring you this podcast twice a week. Uh, you can uh, contact me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. If you have any reaction to what was said on this podcast, I'm sure you know we'll take Rachel R- Rachel Bilson emails and I'll I'll answer them in our next podcast, which will be Thursday. Um, also, uh, again, it's Mike at MikeMiss.com and my website. Yeah, just check out my website, MikeMiss.com. Uh, also, you can get me on Twitter at MikeMiss25. Uh, if you're interested in me giving you a personal shout-out, you just go to Cameo and inquire about that. I'll give you a personal shout-out. I've done a couple this week. They're fun for me, and I'm sure that uh, – I hope they're fun for, for the people that have gotten them. Uh, and don't forget, in the Tally Vineyards, spring is coming up. Not a better Saturday to spend than right than Cape May Courthouse at the winery. I'm part owner of the great Tally Vineyards down there. Come down, hang out with all of us. Uh, and uh, my book, The Adventures of Shima the Sheba, I'm actually reading – to an elementary school class Thursday morning, Darren. You've done these before. I love this, by the way. Where, where are you this time? I've done it, done it before. And, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going in, uh, to an elementary school in Fox Chase, and I will be reading to the kids uh, the, the children's book, The Adventures of, of uh, Shima the Sheep. And, and, of course, so we have the Mike Masnelli Pick Adelphia contest going on right now where you win a $100 gift card. Play the contest at BetRivers4, the number four, free.com. All right, anything else? Just thanks to the Phillies for their hospitality this weekend. Kevin, Greg, John Brazier, Dylan, Sadiq, guys, those guys were good. Uh, took care of them. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, thanks for all the people that stopped us uh, at the Tiki Bar after the game. And a lot of people, not all nice people. I took a lot of photos of people. People are so nice when, uh, you know, even even the haters, you know, instead of coming up to me, I hate you. I, I never liked you. I never get that. I get, oh, my God, we miss you on the radio. Can you post for something? So that's really nice to meet uh, meet the people. A lot of people were surprised. They saw us with our Gar- Anthony Gargano and his producer, Andrew Salcunas. They're like, you guys are all together. Yeah, Anthony was out there this weekend. We got a chance to, to hang out with Anthony and his producer, Andrew Salcunas. That was a nice surprise for all of us. All right, uh, everybody have a great day, uh, great rest of the week. Uh, we're going to come back at you on Thursday with some special guests. So uh, thanks for all the support for the Mike Missnelli podcast. We love it. You can download it. You can uh, subscribe, and it'll come right to you for free. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. It's Mike Missnelli. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missnelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.